Welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth COVID-19 edition. Dun, dun, dun. Inside oh, the bunker. I'm Keats, Camp Adulthood. And I'm the Resident Youth. Although by the time this is over, I may be an ancient millennial aged <laughs> from the crisis. <laughs> uh, oh my god. Did you ever think that the Great Recession would just fade into the back of our memory and we would have something new to talk about? <laughs> well, it was very funny because I'm working on a project or will be shortly with a colleague of mine, Michelle, who's also the same age as me. She's 35. Her birthday is a month before mine. And our uh, one of our breakaway uh, at our company, our, the founders who's in his 50s was like, oh, man, you guys like went to college right after 9-11. You did the recession and now you've got this. So we he's like, you guys should write about that. So we're putting together like a blog about how much it sucks to be 35 and all of the shit that we all went through. Yes, definitely. I would agree with that. I think it's also good at the top of the hour to give a PSA because it's really been enraging me watching the news programs being like, millennials are on spring break. I'm like, millennials are not on spring break. It's the stupid Gen Zs. Millennials are homeschooling their kids and working from home slash are furloughed or whatever. There's Uh 0% of millennials are on spring break. So if I hear another news program, I'm going to send an angry email because I'm over it. Yeah, no, it's true. It is not the millennials. Here we are breaking down stereotypes one at a time. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would love to not care and go on spring break. But I think this also is actually a really cool, not cool, cool is not the right word, only cool to you and me (laughs) as generational (laughs) students of generations, if if that's a thing. Um, But I wonder if part of Gen Z, it's not so... It's like you their know, nihilistic millennial... attitude that they think they're yeah, going to die anyways. they're kind of like, yeah. we're going to die anyway. Better die on the beach from coronavirus than being yeah. shot to bits well, in my classroom. I also think, before we get into so I, I want to go through, you can talk about your experience mm. with it so far, and then I can talk about my experience and go through the whole spiel. But I think going off of that topic, like it's been very interesting to me because I feel like I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like every day has just been like a year. So to yes. think about like, I have been in Michigan for two weeks, which I'll talk about a little later, but like, to think about like, literally the night, I don't know if we recall, like, way back when, when places and things used to be open, the night before I decided to fly here, I was getting drinks with a friend. Mm-hmm. And... I think we went out probably 8.30. We went to a place like in the neighborhood and we I was probably out for maybe an hour and a half until 10. Mm-hmm. And in that span was when the NBA shut down. That's when mm-hmm. whatever that guy, Robert Gobert or whatever, the first guy that like got it in the NBA, mm-hmm. like that happened and Tom Hanks tested positive and like all this stuff. And I was talking to my friend because we were planning this trip to Zion on April 8th, which is canceled for a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, there's no, there's no possible way this is still happening on April 8th. Like there's no way. And then literally in 48 hours, the entire conversation shifted so rapidly. And so anyways, this is all to say like for the um, Gen Z's that went on spring break, I think there's so much information that happened while they were on those trips. And I actually have a friend who like during the spring break time, she was on a trip to Aruba for a bachelorette party Mm -hmm. and they were like going back and forth between canceling it. But they were like, 
at that point there was maybe 60 confirmed cases in New York and none in Mm -hmm. Aruba and the flight wasn't canceled. And so they were like, we don't see a reason not to go and like patronize this hotel business. And like in the course Mm -hmm. of the week, like first three days, fine. And then the Mm -hmm. fourth day was when everyone was like, the beaches are crowded, like all these irresponsible people. And Mm -hmm. she was like, the conversation was totally different four days ago. Mm -hmm. Like we made a calculated decision. And so to like villainize these people, which is what we're all doing, just making decisions for our safety Mm -hmm. based on the information that's presented. Like it's easy now two to three weeks into it to be like, well, that was dumb. And you're putting mm-hmm. people at risk. But, like, two weeks ago, it was totally, completely different. So mm-hmm. I don't want to, like, villainize the Gen Zs too much. Because I think they have gotten oh. a lot taken away from them. But well, I, think I, mean, I think when they were deciding to go, the information was very different. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, I definitely think this has been a thing. You know, it, it's almost like every day you expect to, like, with so many things every time a hurricane is coming through or whatever, you know, they're predicting it's going to be so terrible. And then you pick up the news and it's like, LOL, it's not that bad. Um, And I think what's really funny, not funny, but just gobsmacking about what's going on right now is every day, I think I'm going to pick up the news and it's going to be like, LOL, not that bad. We overreacted. And yet every day it's like, oh, actually it's worse than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, Well, certainly for pockets of the country. Yeah. But how has it been for you, Shay? Well, I mean, it's been interesting. I think it definitely hit us kind of, um, you know, as with everyone, out of nowhere. Uh, For me and work, I mean, I already work remotely. So um, that it hasn't been too big of a transition necessarily in my day-to-day life, except I can't go to my adorable office space. Um. But it is scary as a small business owner and as someone who serves small business clients, um, a lot of work is just drying up. Um, And a lot of small business owners, if you are a sole prop or a single member LLC, you're not eligible for unemployment for a lot of the aid that's hopefully going to be available here soon. So that's definitely something that's scary and frustrating for me and some of my clients. Um, On a personal level, David and I have... (laughs) canceled slash postponed many of our wedding activities you're not canceling Um, well so we are originally celebrating we were originally getting married uh day after tomorrow um that's not happening uh so we were eloping and then we had a party planned with my dad's side of the family and a party planned with my mom's side of the family and then a big party planned with um our friends here in portland at the end of may Um, And as soon as we realized how devastating this particular virus is on um, people over the age of 60, we canceled our parties with our families because we do have people who are in those vulnerable age groups and, you know, better safe than sorry. Um, We've shifted our wedding to May, currently on for our party at the end of May, but that's touch and go. Uh, Maddie thinks we should go full steam ahead. I'm on the verge of canceling it. (laughs) Well, I think what we were talking about before of like, there's more things that go into that decision other than will people be able to travel, which is like the perspective that I'm in of like, I do think I'll go on record and I'm sure people can tell me when we're like deep in the bunker into June Mm -hmm. that I was like wrong. But I really think that like for most parts of the country going to Portland in over Memorial Weekend will be fine and will happen. Like, I think, Mm -hmm. like, taking a step back, I think with this whole crisis, there's a really good article in The Atlantic 
which I'll post to that I read today that was about like what's going to happen when this pandemic lifts and how society will change. And I think there's a lot of positive changes, right? Like people are going to be more cognizant over washing your hands or Mm -hmm. being in large groups unnecessarily or, you know, do I need to, if I have a cold on an airplane, which I do all the time because I travel for work, like, is that safe for like vulnerable populations? Like, I think there's a lot of things that are going to happen, but I also think there's like a deep sense of, wanting to get back to real life that mm-hmm. for the people that are vilifying that I think it's really dangerous and isolating for people to be like well you have to do this thing because it's like saving people and it's yeah. like I don't think yeah. it's a bad thing that people want to get back to it but I think I think at this point the reason why I said that when we were talking about off mic that you should not cancel it now is because like people are gonna if it's about the travel like the airlines are gonna give the money back anyways and it's better to keep the option open because once you cancel or postpone like it's done you can't be like just kidding we're doing it anyways yeah so if it's like whether you make the decision now or three weeks from now it's going to be the same Mm -hmm. thing so it's really just like the logistical challenge of like actually planning it and like forging ahead and then having to cancel closer to the date Mm -hmm. but I really think people would, would be able to travel for it I hope so and I worry I really do out of all the worries I do worry that like the summer and fall and even like into the holiday season are gonna be like Mm -hmm. so crazy because everything's just getting like postponed like all the things like I see a lot of comedy shows and like concerts and stuff in New York and they're all not canceling they're just postponing to like July onward so it's like Mm -hmm. people's social calendars are gonna be so packed yeah yeah anyways very true I agree. Um, no, but I think so. There's all of that uh, just logistics going on. And then, you know, I think it's, you know, Maddie, you just hit the nail on the head when you're saying like, we just don't know what's going on and the news and the information changes daily. And that's really hard. And I think the one thing that's been interesting, and I think you have a story to tell about this, is it's it's very, I'm not really a hypochondriac until this happened, right? And literally you, a lot of the narrative around what's going on is like, well, if you go outside, you're killing people. And, you know, they, they, yeah, there's kind of which this, is not true. this narrative in the media of if you get it, you'll probably die, but also just wash your hands and you'll be fine. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting, I think, juxtaposition, um, and it's, it, it is very scary though, because I feel like I, I literally looked up at one point, do I have coronavirus or seasonal allergies? <laughs> and this article in the New York times was like, well, we don't know. Could be either. Um, so I think that that's really, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm really stumbling over my words no, right now. I, think, because, I mean, it's a confusing time. I also, exactly. we just don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And it it is, that's why. I, I, I've never been this way. Like, I know a lot of people are, like, take frequent, like, technology breaks and stuff. But I've definitely felt that during this crisis, it's necessary to not, like, I think it, you should keep plugged in and stay informed because things are changing so frequently. But I think the constant, like, the news media, like, has to cover it. And so, of course, mm-hmm. as they do all the time, they're going to pick the most sensational story. So when they mm-hmm. find, like, a 33-year-old that dies of coronavirus, regardless of, like, 
what what was their medical history what was their exposure levels where mm-hmm. did they like all these details about them are left off and you don't get the stories of like well 10,033 year olds recovered from the coronavirus without ever being tested and yeah. you know i think this is what you were alluding to Shay that i i actually do like not in like a hypochondriac way but like i actually think that i did bring the coronavirus to michigan so I'll oh, get into that daddy. once we get into, not overall, there were cases here yeah. before I got here, but we can talk about my story later. But I think it it is really hard to stay informed, but it's also like, I still have friends in New York. Like everyone here is like, oh my God, so great that you got out of New York when you did. Like what a fucking shit show that is. It's like a mm-hmm. disaster. Like New York's going to fall into the Hudson and like never return. But like I have many like most people I know like I'm in the minority of people that left when I did and like producer Jenny lives 10 blocks from me and she's like it's actually quite a nice time to be in New York because so many people (laughs) have left and it's like sunny and nice and like the hordes of people that you see on the news of like the crowding in Central Park she's like that's not the case all the time that's like the small minority of people and also it's like you're expecting people to be cooped up in apartments when yeah. no one buys their apartment or rents their apartment in New York to live there full time. You yeah. like, and that's a big part of the reason I left is because I was like, I can't live in 500 square feet with no sunlight for mm-hmm. God knows how long. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. The government, your office, the people around you, like no one you should always prioritize your safety above everything else. Mm-hmm. And even if it seems like the wrong thing to do, you should never stay in a situation where you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened, not to like take it to a dark place, but like in 9-11, a lot of the protocol in the World Trade Centers was that they would isolate the floors. I also worked in a big office building in mm-hmm. New York, so I know that that's true. Like if they have a fire, any type of emergency, they they have mechanisms in these big buildings where they seal off the floors. And so they tell people just move down three floors and Mm -hmm. they'll isolate and tell the fire department just to go to those floors, but you don't have to full scale evacuate. Mm -hmm. And of course we know during nine 11, all the people that did that, that followed the rules died. Whereas the people that were like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm running down 47 flights of stairs. Those are the people that lived. So it's like, I see a lot of parallels in this situation that like, there's a lot of guidance of like, I don't think that there's any right or wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. I think you have to make the decision that's best for yourself. But a lot of this villainizing of like, well, people who left New York are bringing the virus elsewhere. And that's like unconscionable. Mm -hmm. It's like, but also you have to think about your own personal safety and what's going to be the best situation for you. And the information that you're getting day to day is not going to be the information that's readily available six months from now, once they do the autopsy on this situation. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, clearly 9-11 was the big one. I mean, I think a lot about, were you in New York during Hurricane Sandy? I was. It was actually my freshman. It was like a month after I moved to New York. Oh. Because it was so my delightful. freshman year of college. Hadn't even met young baby Madeline no. yet. Um, I wasn't even initiated was... in Kappa. I was so small. Aww. But that was also a very weird time. And I imagine, you know, very similar because, again, we just – didn't know what was happening and you had to, and there was a lot of people telling you what to do and where to go, but ultimately you had to make your own 
That was a big decision, actually, because I lived in the dorms, and they actually ended up doing, similarly to what they're doing now with the virus, they they had, like, they evacuated people out of the dorms, and they moved them into, like, a collective site so that they could provide mm-hmm. meals and stuff, as opposed mm-hmm. to having, like, disparate dorm situation. Yeah. And I, like, that was part of my decision to leave New York during this for mm-hmm. part of it. Um was because, like, it would have been fine if I was in that situation, but, like, being in the city when, like, it was also different because, like, the power was out and stuff. Like, it was a different vibe in New York from what's going on now. Like, it's almost the opposite of, like, everyone wants to be outside and, like, wants to do stuff and, like, things could be open, whereas Sandy, it was, like, oh, you can't use your credit cards. It has to be, like, all cash and, like, people were just giving away food because it was, like, spoiling. So it was a little bit of a, Mm -hmm. like, come together as opposed to, like, stay apart mentality, but... Um, but I mean, I, I think to the reason not to interrupt you, but no, part no, of the reason that I interrupted, it up this is, is your, your story time of my story. Time. Times. Um, you know, with both nine 11 and Sandy and these other disasters that happened, there wasn't this insane timeline on them. Right. You know, and it was very once, you know, okay. The towers came down, the city had been swept you know, they started the war, which was taking place on foreign soil, but it was, it was over right within. And again, I know I'm simplifying this and that the cleanup effort went on for, you know, years in New York, but the immediate danger was over and you could get on to the grieving and the, um, processing of the event. Same with Sandy, horrible deaths. I mean, there were buildings, the whole fronts were blown off. I mean, it was, it was a crazy time to be in New York, but after a week, the storm passed the floodwaters receded, we cleaned up, and we moved on. Um, so yeah. I think that, you know, the fact that this is an undetermined long time that could be many, could be months, and then what most, um, you know, disease experts, infectious disease experts are saying will happen is, okay, this will end in May or whenever, and then we'll be fine for six weeks, and then there'll be a resurgence, yeah. and everyone will go back into lockdown. And then that will probably happen two to four times before we have the vaccine, or we have some more reliable, um, more reliable data method so. of data. So, walk me through like the timeline in Oregon, because I feel like, oh, well, I think like what was- happened, because obviously your the kids are home from school. Yeah. David, so I assume, is working from home. Yeah. Full time. So about three weeks ago, there was, you know, it was starting to come out in the news that this was all happening in this nursing home outside of uh, Seattle, actually in the town where my other cousin lives. So that's oh, scary. That's yeah. <laughs> and um, about a week later, we were, you know, it's kind of business as usual. I bet people are starting to talk about it a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, we get the word, okay, maybe they'll close school for a week, blah, blah, blah. Um, then last Friday, they closed the schools through the end of March. Um, by <laughs> Tuesday, they closed the schools through the end of April. Um, most, they're predicting they'll be closing the schools for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, I know some states have already done school. that. Yeah. 
So um, David and I, originally I was going to continue to go into my office space and David was working from home, but um, most of even the kind of co-working small office spaces are on lockdown. You can't even get into the building. Um, we have currently in Oregon as of, I think it was Tuesday, an official shelter in place edict. So if you are out or gathering um, besides yeah. you know your daily government, which I do want to. Not to cut you off, sorry, but no. I do I do want to talk about the shelter in place thing because this is another thing outside of the millennials are partying on spring break thing that yeah. annoys me about the rhetoric on the news. And actually, Andrew Cuomo talks a lot about this in his like daily press briefings, which I'll talk about Andrew Cuomo in a second because I've never yeah. had a warm feeling towards that guy in my life until this. And now I'm like, oh, he's single. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'll put that in the back yeah. recesses of my mind. Nice. Gross. Uh, Good job, Maddie. Um, um, it's fine. I'm not the only one. There's like a whole online following of this. But anyways, so um, oh but the California started it, right? So Gavin Newsom mm-hmm. was the one when he, well, it first started in San Francisco and the San Francisco mayor in the six counties said specifically shelter in place. And so they were the mm-hmm. ones that started that rhetoric. And then Gavin Newsom expanded it in California and then New York, and then now subsequently Michigan's on a, on it too. But mm-hmm. Cuomo, when he put it into place in New York, because people were very freaked out by it, he was like, the language of this stuff matters, A, because people have mm-hmm. like nothing else to hold on to at this point, and B, it yeah. actually has huge implications. Like when we use the term shelter in place, we use that for active shooter situations or <laughs> like an imminent bodily harm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's not what's happening here. And you can see, like, yeah. if you read the official orders, like the one that's in Michigan, like it says stay at home, not shelter in place mm-hmm. because of that, because it's confusing for people. And it's actually like I was reading an article today about the people of Wuhan because they're now starting to lift their bands and yeah. stuff. Um, but they're actually starting to see like massive agoraphobia issues mm-hmm. where people are now afraid to leave their house because they were told to literally like shelter in place for so long and that's not what's happening here like you can walk around your neighborhood like you can leave your house totally safely and I have friends in New York for sure yeah and so it's a it's a stay at home other than these essential things which is very different Mm -hmm. from like the anxiety and the panic that something like shelter in place causes and especially in somewhere Mm -hmm. like New York where a large proportion of the population isn't from there. They don't have family that's close by and they're relying on mass transit. So as soon as you say shelter in place, that means, okay, my option to leave later is gone and I don't have a car. So therefore I need to flee. But I also think, I mean, that's really interesting, but I had never heard of that terminology. I don't think that shelter in place was common terminology before this. I felt that way maybe only because maybe – because of the way that they were talking about it in New York, which I'll go mm-hmm. into more when we go into my side of the story. But, like, yeah. shelter in place to me is, like, protect your physical body and don't let anything mm-hmm. come in contact with it. And do not leave your yeah. house under any circumstances. And that's how people yeah. are interpreting it. And that leads to a whole yeah. host of other issues versus... Yeah. But the I social distancing and yeah. you can still take a walk. Like I have a lot of friends in New York, even yeah. people that you know that like literally have not left their apartment in two weeks. 
That sounds terrible. Which is insane. And that's not what Cuomo and de Blasio are saying. But when you hear shelter in place, it means like something's coming on the horizon for you. You need to distance yourself from it, which is not the same thing as like. But I think unfortunately what's hard is that if you and I don't really, for me, I'm kind of like, whatever, I don't care about, I mean, I know the language is important and it's funny because for me, I'm usually all about the language, but I think, unfortunately, if you're just like practice social distancing, everyone, people, there, there's a very fine line with language between it being effective and people doing the things that they need to do to stay yeah, safe. And totally, there's a trade off. Like, oh, it's not really serious. Um, But of course, now that this is all a moot point, right? Because now we're getting the reports of the actual terrible things that are happening and the lack of respirators and the lack of personal protective equipment for our um, healthcare givers and people are starting to die from the disease. So we don't need to have scary rhetoric anymore because the data is now confirming it. But well, it's also, I don't know, it's just, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, there has to be some differentiating factor other than you don't want to unnecessarily freak people out, but you also don't want to be too, it's, it's a delicate balance for sure. Yeah, I agree. Anyway. Um, so the kids anyway, are out of school. Kids are out of school probably for the rest of the year. Um, all non-essential businesses are closed. So basically we only have um, grocery stores, pharmacies, um, et cetera, are open. You can do pick up food, but you can't go sit down anywhere. Um, and yeah, and that's us. And we're just, you know, yeah. day by day. Yeah. So I don't know. Now so, tell your side of the story, my friend. So I feel like I've been dealing with this for maybe a little bit longer than you have. And you can tell me if I'm wrong about that. But mm-hmm. in March, the first week of March. Mm-hmm. So before all of this happened, I was going to Boulder like every other week in Colorado for work. And I was supposed to go down there my next trip. So I went like mid-Feb and I had another like personal vacation in February. I'm trying to remember what it is. It seems like so long ago. Um, Yeah. But I went on a personal vacation and I went to Boulder and then I was like, okay, I'm going to have this week in New York and then I'm going to go back to Boulder. And anyways, that whole week I'm like, okay, excited for like my trip, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And then literally my flight out was on Friday at 6 p.m. Tuesday at probably around the six, the same time, 6 p.m., one of my friends that works in HR who I do, we're both on like the women's group at work. So I talked to her through that realm. She was like, just a heads up, we're probably going to suspend domestic business travel. And this is Mm -hmm. after, like, they had suspended international business travel, which doesn't really apply to me, like, two weeks prior to keep people from Mm -hmm. going to Europe. And they were like, they're going to suspend domestic business travel. And I was like, what? No. I was like, I've already checked in for my flight. Like, my flight's in 24 hours. I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, this is silly. I was like, there's no, at this point, there was, I think, zero confirmed cases in New York. Maybe someone can fact check my timeline. Maybe five cases, right? And I was like, mm-hmm. this is really dumb. I was like, I've been prepping the whole month to go on this trip. Like, it's happening. Like, whatever. And mm-hmm. I had already, like, talked to other friends that live in, like, the Southwest region. And we were going to meet up that weekend. And they were already, like, in route to meet me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, if they cancel it, whatever. And so then the next day, like, 
I texted my boss. So this is Thursday night. I go Mm. home from work. I text my boss and I'm like, hey, I don't want to like be a, you know, inside information kind of person. But I was like, I got a tip off from HR that they're going to cancel all business travel. Like, Mm -hmm. do I bring my suitcase to work? Because I was planning on leaving from the office that day. Like, do I bring my my suitcase or should I just like not even bother? And she was like, Mm -hmm. no, bring your suitcase. She was like, we're going to Boulder no matter what. Like, this is dumb. Like, just bring your suitcase. And I was like, okay. I was like, regardless, like, I'm going to, like, I'll get reimbursed by the company if it gets canceled. But I was like, I'm going to go at least for the weekend to see my friends and, like, do this stuff that Mm -hmm. they were going to meet me for, right? And so I go to work. I have my suitcase. Everyone is, like, working as normal. They don't send out the communication, like, all day. And so it's, Mm -hmm. like, 4 o'clock. I have to leave for my flight. And no one knows that I, like, have this inside information. Mm -hmm. And so I, like, go to my boss and she was, like, yeah, like, I've been in meetings. Like, we know it's coming. They're just working on the communication. So she was, like, just go and plan on being there for the whole week. But, like, we might call you back. And I had a week's Mm -hmm. worth of stuff packed. So I was, like, okay, fine. Going about my business. I go down there. Literally, as I land, they send out the communication. And my boss is, like, you have to come back. Like, there. As you land in Denver. Yeah. So I'm like, and at this point, I'm kind of upset because I was like, I'm already here. Like, whatever yeah. issue. And again, infected. you have to think about this in like six weeks ago language of like, mm-hmm. no one was talking about, oh, people from New York are spreading it all over the country. Like, no one was talking that way. So I was like, I'm already here. Like, it's more silly for me if we're worried. Like, at that point, everyone was focused on like, you're going to catch it at an airport. So I was like, you're telling me to fly back expose myself even more to an airport versus Mm -hmm. staying here for longer. I was like, I'd rather actually be stuck in Denver. Like, I'd rather you just put me up in a hotel here until it's over than Mm -hmm. go back to New York. And they were like, no. And so we're there. I couldn't get on a flight back until Sunday. And I'm with, like, other coworkers. And so, and they were, like, prepared to be grounded at least until the end of March. And so I was like, okay, I'll go out there in April, whatever. And so I like go about my business. And then on March, I remember the day on March 11th, like going into the weekend, March 11th, 12th. So that was like two weeks ago. Like Mm -hmm. things started to escalate. That was the same week for us. Yeah. Like things started to escalate in New York and I was already on voluntary work from home at that point so like my office is not very work from home friendly which has also been like very funny to experience throughout all of this of like people being forced to do it when they don't like it which is fun Mm -hmm. um but on march 9th they were like okay we're on voluntary work from home based on your own safety and that whole week was like very the week before like the first week of march was like very weird in new york because Mm -hmm. Like, you would see some people with masks, and, like, the subway was, like, a little bit more empty, but, like, no one was really canceling anything. Like, I went out with um, some friends, and we went to the new viewing platform at the Hudson Yards development, which was very, very Mm. cool, by the way. When they reopened that, everyone should go. It was awesome. And... We'll check it out. Yeah. And we were, like, getting drinks and stuff, and, like, no one was really, like, social distancing, like, wasn't a thing. Like, it was weird, but, like my office was, like, being very, very conservative. Like, they were, like, don't Mm -hmm. come to work unless you want to. And everyone was, like, it's fine. Like, do you not want us to come? Because, like, we'll come. Like, it was a very weird time. Yeah. And then 
Monday, March 9th, my boss was like, you should just work from home. Like, don't come in. It's not worth the risk. Like, just stay. So I've been working from home from March 9th through now, which is very weird because I don't work from home. And it's a very, like, physical business. Um, So I'd been working from home for, like, three days, which, like, my apartment is a one-bedroom and Corey's mm-hmm. also there. And at this point, he was on remote school as well. And so it was like three days of like not my normal routine. And it was weird because we were like not no. I mean, it's the same as it is now. Like we didn't know when we were going to be able to go back. And it was just like very bizarre. But like some people were still in the office. And mm-hmm. on March 11th, they wrote a BuzzFeed article about this. There was like this scary rumor that was being circulated in New York that they were going to shut down the mass transit, which they haven't done. They're not going to. And it was like circulating heavily in my office and everyone was like freaking out about it. And that Mm -hmm. night, like the night of the 11th or 12th was when I had the conversation with that coworker that was like, this feels like it did during 9-11 and like you should not put your safety in anyone else's hands but your own Mm -hmm. and so I was very concerned like the weekend going into the 13th which was two weeks ago that they were gonna like quarantine New York to keep it from Mm -hmm. spreading which in hindsight they probably should have done that but you know it's fine um and I was like talking to people and I was like kind of freaking out all day and I was like should I leave? Should I not? And at this point, like, the thought of spreading the virus to anyone else, like, wasn't even a concern in my mind. Like, there was maybe 50 or 100 cases in New York, like, really, really small. And people were still doing the normal thing. Restaurants were open. Bars were open. Like, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I was talking to some friends, and they were like, well, if you're working from home, you don't have to go into the office. Like, there's no... If you have somewhere else... Like, the mentality was, like, if you have somewhere else to go, like... Yeah you might as well, even if it's just for, like, a comfort thing. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to have I mean... To... Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, like, if you're having to work from home or be quarantined in any way, like, it's better to be in a house with, like, two levels, with, like, a backyard and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. And it's interesting. I think the thing that's been the hardest for me through all of this and including, you know after we saw our families at Christmas and whatever. And, you know, I saw my dad and I was all excited and, you know, we'll see you in a couple of months. And now, you know, yeah, you, you don't know, know when you're going to be able to see your family again. And to, and to the idea of anyone in my family getting sick and not being able to go to them. Um, or if you did go to them, you could get stuck just because of a quarantine or whatever. I mean, I think that's really scary, you know? Well, it's definitely scary now, like two weeks into it, right? So like on the 13th, like no one was doing that. Like I was actually concerned because my office was still on voluntary work from home that I was like, if I leave, my office said, because we were on voluntary work from home, they were like, you have to be ready to come back to the office within 24 hours. So that shows you, like, how much the world has changed in those two weeks. And so I was concerned, like, as I was talking to my friends and coworkers being like, should I stay? Should I go? Should I stay? Should I go? And I was like, well, I have to get my boss's permission because if I'm going to leave, like, I have to make it clear that I can get back. I'm going to fly out, like, first thing on Friday morning and, like, I'll come back. And she was like, 
yeah, totally. Like, whatever. Like, if that's what you want to do, like, get some family time. Like, she she was thinking it was like I was taking advantage of the fact that I was working from home to, like, yeah. see my family because she fam. knows that they don't yeah. live here. So it was very yeah. much just like, yeah, do it. Like, whatever. Like, it was, like, totally that's blase. Nice. Yeah. And so I ended up, like, going for a walk around on Thursday and I came back and I looked at Corey and I was like, I'm going to go tomorrow. Like, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get on the 6 a.m. flight, and I'm going to go just because, like, I don't really want to be stuck here, and I think it's going to get worse. And I was like, you can come with me if you want. If not, you can stay. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we both agreed, like, there's no sense in splitting up because Mm -hmm. you don't know when you're going to see each other again, like, that kind of thing. And so he was like, yeah, I'm going to go. Like, it seems just, like, better. And in Michigan, like, they had no confirmed cases at that point. Nothing was going on. My parents were like, yeah, come. Like, it's fine. And that whole week, like, starting the 9th, I was like, oh, if they go on mandatory work from home, I'm going to go to Michigan. But then on that Thursday, like, I don't know what it was, but I just got, like, a very visceral, like, panicky feeling that was like, Mm -hmm. I do not want to be stuck here and I need to leave. And then talking to my coworker that was like, don't put your safety in anyone else's hands. I was like, I'm just going to go. And so I literally threw, I don't even know what I brought. I only brought five pairs of underwear, not prepared, (laughs) didn't bring the recording equipment, like nothing. I was like, oh, like I I booked a return flight for the following Friday. So the 20th. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll stay for a week. Like that seems like enough time. I can always move it, whatever. Yeah. And yeah, so I just like threw all my stuff, but like the stuff that I brought with me, in hindsight, because it was, like, such a blur, like, I brought my birth certificate, because part of me, which, like, this is a real thing that I think is actually going to happen and is already starting to happen, I was, like, I'm going to bring my birth certificate and my passport to prove that at one point I lived in Michigan, because once they find out that I was Uh, in New York, they're going to be suspicious of me Mm -hmm. for coming here. And so I was, like, I need something to, like, stay off a list that's been like my thing this whole time is like I don't want to be on the list don't put me on the list so I was like my passport still has my parents address in Michigan and my birth certificate so I was like I'm gonna bring that just like just in case I get like questioned and um I brought that but like no underwear or any clothes whatsoever I was just like throwing shit in a bag yeah and I called Jenny and I was like Jenny I'm leaving here's my I gave my keys to her she's been like getting my mail and stuff I was like I'm leaving I was like here's everything like feel free to come over to the apartment like whatever and we went to the airport and it was very very normal like Mm -hmm. totally normal I was expecting like weird stuff but you could tell it was a lot of like study abroad students like college students Mm -hmm. who were getting evacuated out of the dorms yeah um which again, going back to Gen Z, not to blame them for anything, but you can also blame some of the colleges for the spread around the country. Cause like even the kids that didn't go on spring break, they had to move out. Like they have nowhere else to go. They can't stay in the dorm. So they had to fly places. My cousin that I was supposed to go see in Wales in June, they were just like, get out of here. Mm -hmm. She's like, okay, I'm coming back. Yeah, It's scary. Yeah. And so we landed and initially Again, because everyone was, like, totally fine about it. And now, which I'll get into the second part of the story, I'm I'm very, very grateful that this happened. So I, I, I had initially, because my parents were at their late cabin up north. They weren't even at our house mm-hmm. downstate. And they 
my dad was like, oh, grandma has the keys, so you can just Uber to her place, get the keys, and then go into, mind you, this is March 13th, so almost two weeks ago. And I was like, okay, fine. So I texted my grandma, and she's like, all jazzed that I'm coming back. I turn my phone off on the plane. I land, and my aunt, who's my dad's sister, who lives, they all live like a mile from each other. Mm -hmm. She had texted me, and she was like, you should not go see grandma and grandpa because Mm -hmm. social distancing, which again, at that point was not a big thing as it is now. Mm -hmm. They were like, you should not go. She was like, come to my house. I also have keys. She was like, I'll leave them outside for you. Mm -hmm. And I'll just like leave them under the mat. And then we don't even have to come in contact. And like, Mm -hmm. I was fully making fun of her. I was like texting my dad and I was like, she's crazy like why is she making me do this like I want to see my grandma like what yeah. the fuck I was like this lady is tripping like I was fully yeah. like not on board with this so whatever so I go to my aunt's I get the keys we come back I'm like fully expecting to go back like a week from then and then mm-hmm. everything went topsy-turvy like that weekend yeah and like it's hard to even remember, like, I'm sure some news publication is going to put together, like, a timeline of this, and then I'll, like, piece together it in my mind, but it was, like, every day, just, like, the dominoes were falling in New York of, like, oh, now it's, like, the stay-at-home, well, first it was, like, the restaurants are on 50% capacity, and then now they're closed, Mm -hmm. and then now it's the stay-at-home order, like, all of that happened, like, that first week, everything in Michigan was still open, like, I got my nails done, that first weekend I like saw my friend I know Mm -hmm. of course I choose now to get dip for the first time like fuck me right god by the way it's so good though it will last you like four weeks I know well it's been great so far I was very skeptical of it but now I'm like looking great I got I'm obsessed I'm Um, I'm my roots however are gonna be my big true COVID-19 tragedy yes but okay do you see listeners you can't see what I'm showing Maddie do you see my eyelashes Mm -hmm. how nice they are So I got lash extensions because I was supposed to, you know, get married day after tomorrow. (laughs) And um, now they've closed all of the, the, and I guess I could go because the gal like works out of her home, but I wouldn't want to risk her license or her health. And um, so now I've got these lashes on and I can't get a fill because everything is closed. So I'm going to start looking real janky here. Real it's soon. all going to be ratchety. I know. It's crazy. It's but this, so is, this is what's going to happen. Like, I really think it's already, like, people right now are, like, not desperate. In, like, not, I'm not speaking specifically about your lash lady because I don't know her. But, like, if I was in a position like that and I had people, like, my mom also gets her hair done here mm-hmm. from a woman who works out of her house. Yeah. And she she said she was closing for a week and my mom was like, I will literally pay her double the normal price. So it's like, you have enough of those clients who are like willing to do that. Like you better Mm -hmm. bet some of these people, it's going to be like a speakeasy situation, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I don't know, just like the dominoes were falling last week and Mm -hmm. the airlines are being like super flexible. Basically I can move this flight whenever I want. And I was like, everyone here is like, it's insane to go back to New York. And everyone in New York is like, it's fine. So it's like a weird place to be in Mm. because I'm like, I'm very comfortable here. And like my dad has a car. So like he's been going grocery shopping and doing whatever, like normal stuff. So I'm like, it would be silly to go back to New York where my life 
would be harder under these circumstances, even though it would probably be fine. But like, why wouldn't I just stay here? You know what I mean? So it's kind of like that weird thing. And then now I feel like in the past, like three days to a week, it's become this like ethical dilemma of like, even if it's available to you, like the act of me getting in a car, getting on a plane, getting in another car, even though I would have a friend pick me up, and then going back to my New York apartment, like, then recirculates the virus. Mm-hmm. Like, now it's like a moral and ethical dilemma of like, do you actually physically move yourself back? But then it's also yeah. like, I want to be able to support the small businesses around my apartment in New York that I feel very passionately about because I'm in the suburbs here. So there's not really that many restaurants Mm -hmm. even normally that would close because of this so I'm like oh if I was in New York working from home like I could go to the coffee shop every day and like do all these things Mm -hmm. and because the business that I work for is actually booming under these circumstances like I could actually stand to make more money from this when so many others are suffering so I'm acutely aware of like things that I could support and like small businesses and stuff and GoFundMes that are set up and all these things Mm -hmm. And so to be away from New York during that time, and I feel like New York has such a special energy and they're the people that I know that are there, like, really embracing, like, being New Yorkers. And Mm -hmm. even though I've had people in New York and here both be like, it's great that you got out. Like, that was such a smart move, especially before the virus really took off. Yeah. Um, It's still, I still feel kind of like a traitor for leaving, (laughs) even though I shouldn't. And I know, like, I made the best decision. But... Okay, so I also feel like, well, you can say what you're going to say, because I'm going to go into a different topic. Also, the other complicated layer of that moral and ethical decision is that, say, you go back, you're following all the rules, you're supporting small businesses, you're being like the best New Yorker ever, but then you trip over a rug in your apartment and break your arm and you have to go into the hospital and then you're taking a bed from right. someone who needs it. Cause they have it. So, I mean, I just think there are so many things. I, I think you're making a choice. Right. And I was talking to producer Jenny about this and we both were kind of like, whatever decision you make during this time is the right decision, no matter what it is, because it's, it's almost the opposite here. Like there's actually, I feel this way. Like there's so much support and focus on New York right now. Like they're mm-hmm. getting the beds at the Javits Center. They have all the hotels, all the dorms that are unoccupied now. They're, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting so many supplies sent to them. They're getting the Navy ships sent to them. Mm-hmm. That actually, it's probably better to be in New York versus here, or even in like more rural yeah. communities where they have maybe one ICU bed for the whole community. Like, yeah, that's almost worse. Like, mm-hmm. if I if something were to happen to me here, like, it would be a more acute emergency than something happening in New York. But mm-hmm. again, it's like, you don't know what the right answer is, because we're working with such limited information. But I'm also like 99% convinced that at this very moment, I have coronavirus. And I'll tell you okay. exactly why. Tell us all your symptoms. So I, like, the week that I was working from home, so this is before, like, all the shit came out in the media. We have to remember that. Mm-hmm. So like I was working from home and I was like, I kind of had a sore throat and I was like, meh, this feels weird. Mind you, I have been very, very sick this winter. Like I had probably the worst cold of my life in January. Just because um, I'm not there to make you eat vegetables and drink true. emergency. I know. Dr. Keats is very concerned about my well-being, mm-hmm. I'm sure, from afar. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Do you hear that, Pop? You got to make Maddie take her B vitamins. I know. It's so, it's tragic. Um, But yeah, I was like very, very sick the beginning of January and I made a recovery and then I was working from home and I just had a sore throat, like no, nothing else. And I was like, oh, maybe it's my cold coming back, whatever. And then I was on the plane, like coming to Michigan and I could feel it was like a a sore throat and like body aches Mm -hmm. but like no congestion like you know when you get a cold and it's like yeah you kind of get the sniffles it was like none of that and then I landed in Michigan and then I got like a little sniffly and I was like maybe it's allergies because it's like different flora and fauna here whatever Mm -hmm. and then last week I was the only one like in my house that was like feeling sick and I was like I think I have a cold like it's weird I was like, I don't feel congested at all, but I was like, I had a really, really bad, like, migraine-style headache, and I don't get migraines, like, right mm-hmm. here. And I was like, it definitely had a fever. I had, like, body chills, like, that whole nine yards. Mind you, I did not leave mm-hmm. my house, so everyone that's going to, like, put me on some lists, like, I did not expose anyone outside of my immediate family. Typhoid natty. Yeah, I know. And so, but the whole time, and I didn't, I was, like, acutely aware that I was, like, at this time, everyone's, like, freaked out about anyone being sick, so I don't, I'm not gonna, like, voice this to anyone, but now it's, like, a known thing, so I can tell everyone, but I was, I was very much, like, I know that I'm sick, but this doesn't feel like anything that I have felt before, and then, mind you, this was eight days ago, so before all the articles came out, for everyone that's Mm -hmm. gonna be, like, oh, you're just a hypochondriac because you read something on the internet, no, this is a real thing that happened to me, I was, like, Still thinking I had a cold, lost all sense of taste and smell. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, eating my dinner, and I was like, oh, my sense of smell is gone. My mom's like, oh, it's because you're congested. And I, like, did a neti pot, which for people that aren't familiar, it's like when you flush water, like, through your sinuses. Nothing came out. So I was like, no congestion, but mm-hmm. can't smell or taste anything. And so I'm, like, be bopping around for two days. Then my mom and dad both get the same thing. They're fine. Mm. Don't worry about them but they're they're fine but they both get the same thing so they have like the headache the sore throat the body chills then my brother gets it Corey somehow totally immune which is interesting because mm. if i was the carrier he would have been exposed to it first and yeah. so then well, i never be one of those asymptomatic people it's true yeah who knows totally asymptomatic like he hasn't had any any issue whatsoever and so yeah. um I was like, it can't be it because I don't have a cough. And that's like the thing that like everyone said, like you'll have Mm -hmm. a cough. But I was like, I could feel it. Like every time I breathed, I could like feel it in my, like every breath. It was like my lungs would like ache a little bit, you know, Mm. which I was like, I've never experienced that before. Mm. And um, then all the articles started coming out that was like the symptoms of coronavirus are that you lost your sense of smell and I was like literally me and you can probably still hear it in my voice like I still have Mm -hmm. it yeah you don't sound 100% no but I I feel 100% but I can tell that there's like something in like my lungs and my sinuses that's just like Mm. lingering there and I still can't taste I've been sucking down wine like water because I can't taste it oh well there you go so it's wild but my Mom definitely still has it. My brother is, like, totally fine now. And my dad, like, every two days, he'll 
have to like spend a day on the couch Mm. but they're like we were talking about it and it's like obviously it's all speculative at this point like none of us are gonna go get tested because it's silly but like Mm -hmm. it's better like if we all recover then it's like we build immunity to it well I it's so funny because there is a part of me that's like I, I wish I, not that I wish that I would have it, but I had, I didn't lose the sense of taste and smell thing, but I, I had this thing where I was like, this feels not like a cold and not like allergies. Yeah. Like I had like a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of just yeah. a little bit of a dry cough. And I was like, well, but I'm not running a fever. And I had some like GI symptoms, which they say some yeah. people are getting as well. But there's a part of it that's like, okay, I hope I did have it and now it's over. Right. And now I'm immune and I don't have to worry that I'm one of those people that end up on a respirator. Right. But also it's hard to not know. And I think not having a readily accessible test is really tricky. Well, it's hard. I was reading BuzzFeed has a really good article about it, which I can link to of a woman who had she wasn't asymptomatic, but she had very limited symptoms, kind of similarly Mm -hmm. to what I was just describing. And she got the test and she was like. Like, to me, it's so hard, like, even having the symptoms that I have now, like, if I were, like, again, I'm being smart, I have not left this house, like, Mm -hmm. it's fine, like, everything is fine, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, like, putting the public's health at risk, and, Mm -hmm. like, I was symptomatic on the plane coming here, so, like, that could have been a thing, but I was also being very careful then, even though... We have to remember, like, I was acting on the information that was available at the time, which was Mm -hmm. more limited than what it was now. Mm -hmm. And I've said that, like, if I knew on March 13th that I could have been bringing it here, like, would I have gone? No, I would have stayed in New York. But I didn't, I wasn't thinking about that at all. Like, that wasn't, and it's not that I was. This is why this pandemic has spread the way that it has. Yeah. So, and the only people, like, I got my nails done with a friend and, like, she's fine. At this point, like, I've been here for two weeks, so anyone that I would have exposed at the beginning would have, mm-hmm. you know, been asymptomatic uh, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that went into my decision to stay because I was like, well, if I do have it, I can't in good conscience get on a plane to go back to New York. That sounds insane. Um, totally. So that definitely played into it. The fact that, like, when I was deciding to move my flight back, I was like, well, I'm sick with something, so it's happening. Yeah. Um, But I'm very concerned that, like, it goes both ways. Like, there's, I know that I'm in this camp, and I know that it's dangerous in some levels, but it's also, Mm -hmm. I think, a very human thing that it's like, once you take the test, like, your life is no longer in your own hands, and your health isn't in your own hands. Yeah. Like, you become a ward of whatever county that you're in, like their health department, and they determine the treatment that you get and where you go and when you're allowed to leave. Well, and I think and that's a that very dangerous would, thing to me. Yeah. Well, and I think it is scary that, you know, hopefully it won't get to the point where our healthcare system is having to make those really heartbreaking decisions um, like they've had to do in Italy and I think also in China where it's like, okay, if I've got a relatively healthy 30-year-old or a relatively unhealthy 65-year-old, who do you treat? Right. You got to triage the 30-year-old. And, you know, it was funny because I was talking with my dad about it. And when we were making the decision about postponing our trip to LA and um, our wedding celebration, um, he was like, yeah, well, we have to be extra careful because we 
you know, even though we're healthy for our ages, we could be in that population that they choose not to treat, not choose, but, you know, have to triage. Um, And I think that's something that's so, so scary. And it's just, again, comes back to too bad there isn't an easy test. Well, I think it goes to, I think there's two things. I think one is like, there's so much information about out there, but if you follow the epidemiologists and the CDC, like, they'll tell you exactly what you need. Like, they're the ones that are saying not everyone, if you just follow, like, what the CDC is saying, which is just, mm-hmm. like, stay s- six feet away from people and wash your hands. Yeah. And if you're symptomatic, stay inside. Like, those are very simple things, and it doesn't require a test. And the sure. test yeah. is really, like, a diagnostic thing of, like, okay, if you have a flu, we know how to treat that. If you have coronavirus, okay, you're in, like, a separate category of people because we have these, like, experimental things yeah. that we don't really know. Yeah. And so it's, like, I don't really feel, like, I think some people feel that they need to be tested for the peace of mind or to feel that they need mm-hmm. to do the right thing. But it's, like, we should all just be doing the right thing regardless. Yeah. And we're sure. we're past the point. And the, I guess this is the whole point of my story is, like, I've been symptomatic for two weeks. It's like, like if the information was available sooner, I would have made a different choice, but we're past the point. Like the, the cat's out of the bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, do it's you already wish out you there. The information available to you at the time. You yeah. And best. it's like the virus is already out there. Like think about how many people were in my position or decided to leave New York when it was relatively fine two weeks ago that weren't even thinking about it versus now. Like I've talked to a lot of coworkers who stayed and they were like, well, I can't in good conscience go to my parents' house or go to my sister's house or leave New York mm-hmm. because now like the CDC is saying and the government is saying, if you leave New York now, you have to self quarantine for 14 days, which is actually very difficult to do mm-hmm. if you're doing it correctly. Yeah. It's like you stay in one room and people drop stuff. Right. So my choice two weeks ago, the choice of going to Michigan was much better, but the people now, the choice of staying in New York is much better. Mm -hmm. And neither choice, I think, is the right choice. It's just, it just is what it is. Um, But I think given the fact that I am pretty sure that I have it, it's like, it's it's hard to wrap your mind around. And I think the medical research is obviously going to come a long way, but it's like, I don't see a scenario unless it's like a different strain of the virus or somehow it like affects people differently that if you're like a healthy, like I want to be careful with my words. Cause I don't want it to seem like I'm telling everyone to like go party on spring break. Cause that's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like, mm-hmm. given the symptoms that I've had, I don't see unless it's like mutated in different places or something, how it could be that dangerous for relatively healthy people. And that's, I think the thing that's yeah. like getting to me. Cause like I've now seen it in my parents and my brother and we've all been totally fine. This is like famous last words. I'm sure tomorrow I'm going to be like on a respirator, but like, she says Maddie. <laughs> no, but you know I, what I mean, like it's, it, see, I'm like, if this is what it is, like if they find out like, Oh, maybe it affects like, people with these certain antibodies or people with this blood type Mm -hmm. or like people with this underlying condition like I just wish that was available because it seems not that bad I don't know and no I totally hear you and I think that's the thing is for most people it won't be that bad but I think what I'm reading is that there it causes this thing called a cytokine response in a certain 
subset of the population. And it, like you said, we may not know why it does that, but that's basically where there's like a, your body, your immune system overreacts and there's like a storm of fighting it. Like an allergic reaction kind of. Basically. And then your body starts like eating itself. Yeah. So that's, and this is a very medical term there clearly, (laughs) but. Yeah. um, Do not take medical advice from this podcast. Obviously. Yeah. Seriously. Do not. Do not. No, but it's definitely Um, like in the population, like, you know, Erica Spera, who was on this podcast. Yeah. Her roommate has a confirmed case of coronavirus. Oh, no. And yeah, I saw that in her newsletter. Like, I was at the same comedy club where Erica works regularly, like, three days before I left New York. So, like, there you go. Erica's roommate was... Like, everyone in New York, you should just assume that you've been exposed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think this, like, moral panic of, like, well, people can't leave their house or people getting upset that people are, like, picnicking in Central Park. It's, like, or calling police on families that are walking around a neighborhood. It's, like, insanity to yeah, me. It's very hard to do that. Kids, but... And I think it's both, it's both, like, I get the impulse to do that, but it's also, like, the cat's out of the bag at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And unless we as a society are going to start restricting travel between counties Mm -hmm. which is what like the last thing i read that the trump administration is going to start to do which i actually think that this is smart is like rating counties on like a threat level basis so it's Mm -hmm. not like this blanket like everyone in the country is treated the same way and obviously new york will be a threat level one you know defcon one type of situation and like then then we get into the situation which is why i left new york in the first place of if you're restricting travel and people's ability to go places, that's when I think the, the like high scale panic will set in and you'll see people like not following the rules, especially people that own properties like in different parts of the country. It's like, how do you like, I don't know what the apparatus is to, to control for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, what's scary to me. Like right now, being in Michigan, like I could, we could drive anywhere that's like safer. But like if if mm-hmm. Oakland County, which is the county that I'm in right now, like is deemed a threat level one and we're closed off, it's like, yeah, that I think is very confining. Versus like, oh, you can stay in your house, but you can still go to the grocery store and like do all this other stuff, or you can go to your other house like somewhere else. It's like mm-hmm. you know. Um. So, so not to end our conversation early, but in the new Zoom world or in the new uh pandemic world that we live in I have to go host a zoom happy hour for my work <laughs> so oh my sadly gosh. I need to jump off with you uh but Campbell's Altered listeners stay safe stay at home we love you uh email us hello at campbelladulthood.com and tell us your COVID-19 stories yes. we will share them on air maybe we can do this next week because I didn't really talk about my work at all yeah like working from home so there's more yeah. even coronavirus topics let's do it to cover let's do it very millennial the zoom all happy right, campers. Hour. thank you all right bye bye